there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Today we're going to talk about a couple of uh, general topics. I'm going to I'm going to open it up and then see if you guys have any questions about this. And we're going to be uh, talking about this in an upcoming. Actually, each one of these subjects we're going to be talking about in upcoming webinars. So probably uh, we've made a tentative schedule. We didn't announce the schedule yet, but we made a tentative schedule to. Um, to have these webinars, so I have not put those out there yet, but they will be um, announced very shortly. And so the subjects that we're going to be talking about today are, one, is going to be stem cells. So if you've got any questions that you've ever had about stem cells, um, now would be the time to ask them because I'm going to use some of the questions that you guys are going to pose to make sure that we address those topics during the webinar. That's the first thing. Uh, second thing, a topic that's close and dear to my heart, which I know that it is to most of you too, because when we have our calls every week, we somehow, in some way, fashion, or form, end up touching on these components, and this specifically is to do with the emotional component and how the emotional component plays a role in chronic disease. So that's a very important topic that I think many of us that have dealt with patients and uh, especially patients with chronic diseases and those of us that have gone through that journey, whether we're the, on the provider side, on the healer side, or on the patient side, um, recognizing and being aware of the significance of the emotional component, I think that in itself is half the battle. One of the biggest problems in modern medicine, I believe, is that the emotional, psychological, spiritual component is not, not only is it not addressed, it's not even recognized, or if it is recognized, it's minimized and oftentimes uh, ignored. And on occasional cases, um, actually ridiculed. So this is something that, in my personal opinion, is a key component to the um, effective addressing of chronic disease. So we'll talk a little bit about that too, and we've got a webinar coming up specifically talking about how some of those things can be released. And those of you that were on the IADFW Facebook Live, which we do immediately after this Facebook Live, then you guys know what we talked about and the announcement that was made about the tree, which that has not been officially announced, it was only announced to the IADFW members. Um, and then the last thing I want to kind of touch base on is about the, um, about personalities and how different personalities interact with different individuals. So meaning that if you categorize the personality into four major categories, then the interaction between those four different personalities how they come together, how they have an impact on um, individual relationships, but more importantly, from a medical health wellness standpoint, how those personalities 
and, and the nuances and the characteristics that are common to those personalities, how they can affect chronic disease or how the individual perceives as well as responds to chronic disease and how the, pers the personality variants contribute to how we perceive that chronic disease and how we interact with others that may have chronic disease. So obviously I've said the word chronic disease probably a hundred times already and my focus isn't on chronic disease but it is if you can address chronic disease then to prevent it becomes even easier, right? But you can't talk about preventing it unless you know how to actually reverse the issue. Now an ounce, there's that old saying an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure and that's exactly the point. It becomes very difficult to sometimes quote cure certain things but if you can understand the etiology of it, the causation aspect of it, and then be able to effectively reverse it or cure it, then you truly understand how you can go back and now prevent it from happening to many other people. And that's really one of the components that where we've gotten to in our clinic. We've had people from all over the world, 91 countries now that have come to us, and we've been able to in specific conditions very, very successfully, um, almost ridiculously how effective some of the therapies have been to help to uh, stop and reverse some of these conditions. And the more you do something, the better you get at it. Now, so there's certain conditions that we have gotten an international reputation and other conditions we don't deal with as often, but the application of those principles applies regardless of what the condition is. So we're going to actually talk a little bit about that too. And I may not touch too much, I may not have enough time to touch base on, on a lot of that third component, but we're gonna have a webinar on that as well. Um, and we will give you guys a link to go before the webinar and fill this uh, information out, like a little survey, so that you kind of know what your personality is and how your personality may be contributing to not only your um, personal issues, but also how that may be contributing to other people's issues, people that are around you, your loved ones. Um, in other words, how your personality and how your emotions um, relate to other people, how it has impact on them as well. So I'm very, very convinced that our personalities have a very significant role and play uh, an important component in how, one, we perceive, and two, how we respond to stressors, which then will eventually lead to uh, issues with our health if we don't address them properly. Okay, so we're going to talk about those three things. So first, before um, we get going, let me just make sure there's not, nothing I need to address here. Hey, Cindy. Hey, Emmett. Hi, Deborah. Marilyn says, uh, hello, Dr. Batar. Hope you are well. Thank you for all the great care I received when I was in the Charlotte Forever Grateful. Marilyn, you're most welcome. Hi, Kim. Hi, Lynn. And Nisa, hello. Cheryl, Zara, okay. So we are going to um, talk a little bit about stem cells. So does anybody on either um, Instagram or Facebook have any specific questions, burning questions that you've ever had about stem cells? I'm going to talk about a couple of general things about stem cells, but I want to know what you guys, you know, what, what your understanding of stem cells is. So can anyone that's watching this, listening right now, um, share with us any of the questions in their mind that have come up about stem cells? So while you guys are posting your questions about stem cells, I'm going to 
give you a little bit of background about stem cells and where we are historically and where we are currently um, in the timeline from a medical standpoint, and then also where I am with stem cells and my, my belief system with the stem cells. So stem cells are referred to, they're the most pluripotent cells, and what that means is pluripotent basically means the, the most capable of changing and reverting to the type of cell that your body needs. So when the zygote is formed, and the zygote is basically when the egg and the sperm unite to become basically the egg gets fertilized by the sperm, and when it does so, it forms up what they call a zygote. The zygote is the first uh, cell component, or cellular component, the two cells come together, and that's where you have the chromosomes from the father and the mother coming together, and then that zygote starts to divide, and that's what forms the embryo, and then so on and so forth. And then there's three basic um, types of cells that are comprised, and then those cells will differentiate into specific types of tissue, depending on whether it's the ectoderm, mesoderm, or the endoderm. And different organelles and different organs and different systems come from each one of these different components. Now, a stem cell, basically, when they call a stem cell plural, uh, pluripotent, it basically means that it has the ability to uh, change and morph into or, or create a certain type of cell. So, for example, from the mesoderm uh, comes the, uh, the, the muscle component, okay? So we have smooth muscle, we have striated muscle, also known as cardiac muscle, and we have skeletal muscle. And that's where, you know, your bones and tendons and all that stuff comes from. So all those come from the mesoderm, for example, okay? Also, our fat tissue comes from there, and there's other components that come from the, from the mesoderm, too. Um, and so similarly with ectoderm and the endoderm. Now, the point that I'm making is that a pluripotent cell has the ability to differentiate or to, um, to change and become the cell that's needed in order to regenerate. Um, that's probably the best way of putting it. So it has the ability to revert back into a state and heal certain areas of the body, going back to the original component when the cells, when the zygote was formed, the embryo was formed, and the development of the of the organ of the organism was taking place. And so these are like master cells. Think of it that way. Now. They, there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on over the last 20, 30 years. You guys probably remember Dolly. Most of you may have heard of Dolly. Dolly was a sheep, the first one that they cloned. And so there's, you know, there's this aspect of cloning, which is basically cloning um, animals or cloning organs. Um, then you've got the use of stem cells, which basically goes in and fixes things that have been broken or that aren't working right. And then you've got uh, other types of components that they've got that they're working on, which is, you know, manipulation of the hormonal system and of the immune system, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes to uh, helping the system achieve a state of normal function, stem cells have the most promise because one, they are coming from within the system. It's not something that's pharmaceutically derived, right? It's something that it's coming from how the master engineer, God, created or source, or universal consciousness, or whatever the supreme being, whatever you want to call whoever, or whatever entity it was that helped to, or that created us, the ultimate machine. And so when you're dealing with stem cells, you're not dealing with the limit of how our own minds work. You're dealing with the innate intelligence of the system itself. 
and allowing that innate intelligence to do its job and fix the system the way it was designed to. And when we're when we're born, and before we're born, it's these stem cells that are helping to differentiate ourselves and, and helping to establish where and how the body's going to function. So they have, without stem cells, we wouldn't have formed the way we did. Let's just put it that way, okay? So the, I'm just trying to read a couple of comments that are coming in at the same time, but um, I'll probably not do that because it's a little distracting, but I'll come back and answer the questions uh, in, in just a moment. So basically, um, the controversy, the political issues behind stem cells were because the original thought was the embryonic stem cells, meaning um, tissue that was recovered from fetuses that weren't viable. Um, there was a lot of political, a lot of religious, a lot of ethical issues that came up and because these stem cells were being harvested from aborted tissues. Then there was also the the embryonic, uh, besides the embryonic stem cells, there was also the umbilical stem cells that come from the umbilicus, so basically the, the cord that attaches the baby to the mother when the baby's born. And then we have also adult stem cells. So we all are producing our own stem cells, but as we get, as, as we're longer on the planet longer, the stem cells, we have less stem cells, and so to harvest them, and you can pull stem cells from or derive stem cells from fat tissue and other parts of your own body. So we've got the, our own self-autologous, what we call our own bodies. Uh, stem cells that can be harvested. And so there was use uh, in that as well from a clinical standpoint to see if we could use adult stem cells. And recently, the largest company that was dealing with uh, embryonic stem cells has now stopped that process because they found that the embryonic stem cells seem to have some pretty amazing effects, but they also seem to have some very deleterious effects. And it would it seemed to exaggerate the good and exaggerate the bad. And so there was also some issues with with people that have cancer, uh, people that ended up having um, other conditions where the embryonic stem cells uh, created problems because of uh, some innate uh, inborn errors in the, in the uh, harvested cells, for example. So the, it wasn't a contamination issue. It was just that either you get, you, you had, there was potential for creating bad problems with the embryonic stem cells. Whereas with the umbilical stem cells, there was a, there was a difference that they, they didn't have that type of a scenario. Um, but there were so many different companies that came about and everybody started producing umbilical stem cells. And then you started having the problem with quality assurance. They ended up having um, FDA recalls because there was E. coli contamination, people getting hepatitis C because of transmission issues and all sorts of different things. So that's really where the industry is right now. And uh, the webinar that I'm going to do on stem cells, which will probably be, I don't know if we're gonna do it next week or the week after, probably do it in about two weeks. Uh, but I'll, I'll announce it soon on uh, social media and also we'll send an email out to everybody. Um, is going to be about the three, th the three things that you must uh, address before ever considering stem cells. Now, if you're getting stem cells from a reputable place, from a safe place, from a place that has third-party independent verification, and we'll talk about doing that in the webinar, um, then it can become pretty interesting. And we've developed a couple of protocols that we believe that anybody getting stem cells, getting them through the way we're going to be doing them, is going to get a far superior response and result compared to how the doctors that are doing stem cells are doing them. Meaning that we want to make sure that our results 
are what they should be. In, in, in other words, allow for the full potential of the result for the results to manifest. And the way we do that is think of the analogy of a field. Okay, you're about to plant a seed in a field. Well, would it not behoove us to prepare that field and optimize that field and make sure that the field has all the right nutrients and sufficient um, water supply and is in an environment where there's the sun isn't being obstructed. In other words, it's not in shade. This this field has the, the trees that have been removed and the stumps have been removed and the soil that's been optimized because we don't know if it is a swamp. This is an analogy I give to people that come to us that we're treating for immune issues for cancer, right? When we send a person, a person comes initially and we prepare their bodies, we do some testing, we do some diagnosing, and then they go home for three, four weeks before the first round of treatment starts. And that's so that we can prep their body so they can do what we call the home protocol to get their bodies ready. And the analogy that I give them is, again, the field, right? I don't know if your field's a swamp. I don't know if your field's a, a forest. I don't know if your field is a parking lot, right? If, if your field is a swamp, I have to drain all the water out of it and get the soil dry. If it's a forest, I got to cut the trees down so the sunlight can get to it. If it's an asphalt driveway or parking lot, I got to break that up because if I take seed and just throw it in the parking lot, nothing's going to happen. So the preparation of the field is vital and it's almost always ignored when it comes to conventional medicine, to traditional medicine. Nobody looks at the field, they just throw out the seeds and they think that's going to take and then it doesn't take and they say, well, the treatment doesn't work. Well, because the field wasn't prepared. So that's part and parcel of what I'm going to be talking about on the webinar. Um, we're also going to be talking about the aspects of, you know, the, the, which type of cells, which type of stem cells, and then the protocol of how to infuse them and, and some of those things. So I'm, I'm excited about that because we have, um, we have a couple of patients that are now getting ready to do the their round of treatment. In fact, um, I'll be doing that myself because again, there's no treatment that happens in my clinic unless I've done it myself first. And um, so it'll be a service that we've talked about doing for many years, but I haven't been satisfied with the um, source of the stem cells. That was one. And then also the third party independent verification as to the viability of these cells once they're, once not only once they're harvested. Harvesting is easy to verify the, uh, the counts, but the problem is then when they are cryogenically preserved and then when they're thawed out and prepared to be infused, well, now we have to know what's the viability of those cells because if they're all dead, you're not doing anything. And the treatment's reasonably expensive, so we have to make sure that we have good, um, we have good numbers to, to be able to show the, the validity of doing this, and we're going to be tracking um, you know, our first 50 patients or so, or so for the next year and see the response rate in them because I believe that our response rate will far supersede that that anybody else has achieved using the same type of therapy just simply because our ability to prepare the field is so much superior than uh, to virtually anybody else that's doing this type of treatment. So I'm very, very excited. Um, autoimmune conditions, cardiac conditions, that type of stuff. And then we also have to make sure that, you know, safety is the first rule, do no harm. So we have to make sure also the person is a candidate based upon uh, making sure that there's not certain things that are going on that could potentially be uh, contraindicated. All right, so let me go through and see.
Um, Chrissy says, is this guy in Antigonish? I don't know what that means. Sorry, Chrissy. Um, you can maybe clarify what you mean there. Uh, Danny asked, what stem cell successes have been made toward ACL? Uh, so the anterocruciate ligament damage that usually happens from um, a blow to the side or behind the knee. So when it comes to knees, when it comes to hips, when it comes to elbows, when it comes to ankles, when it comes to wrists, there's a lot of success with using stem cells to deal with those degenerative joint issues and to deal with um, injuries and remodeling issues are all very effectively addressed using stem cells. And yes, we will be doing those. Um, that's actually going to be one of my um, associates area of focus. It's not going to be really mine. Um, he has a very, very close friend for 23 years and just recently joined our practice. And um, so Dr. Kraft will be uh, dealing with a lot of that stuff along with uh, some of the other providers that we have. I, I'll be dealing with that on a, on, on a limited level because that's not really my interest and it's not really, I'm going to be dealing with more the systemic issues, more the chronic disease type things. Um, so Louise asks, do stem cells renew body parts such as damaged lungs? And Louise, actually, believe it or not, there have been a couple of studies done that have been shown to uh, use these medicine combo cells and stem cells to help with end-stage disease. Uh, it's actually, there's, there's a couple of published studies. In fact, I just got two sent to me on Sunday and uh, was going through them. So to give you an example, if they do stem cells for chronic lung issues like emphysema, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or any of those types of things, um, you know, the concern is, that, I mean, it's not gonna do any harm, but the concern is it's not gonna really work as well because that, that tissue is so far damaged. But now you start dealing with somebody like in your husband's case, and we've been doing the IRR shots now, right? So that's, and we'll talk about this on the IADFW. So maybe I'll, I'll hold off on addressing that question since we're dealing with um, the general public here, Louise. But you bring that up. But in, in George's instance, you know, this would be perfect because we've already reversed so much of his problem, right? Because he's, he's no longer on the steroids. He's been able to start breathing. He's going three, four, five weeks between the IRR, so we already see such an improvement in him. Now, if you give stem cells, it'll help to progress that uh, that rate of recovery and then deal with it on a, on a cellular level to get his uh, tissues back. That's theoretically what is supposed to happen. Now, again, the, the data, the literature out there, it, it just doesn't have sufficient data that's been collected, but that's how stem cells work. They help to regenerate the system. And um, for joints and stuff, there's a lot of published literature for cardiovascular disease, for uh, lung issues. There's limited research that's been done. Um, but, you know, again, as far as I'm concerned, if it's safe, that's the first thing, and then, and then we try it. And, you know, we're on the cutting edge of medicine, and this is one of the things that um, we are going to be dealing with on, on um, cardiac and on a lung level, and also on a functional level for when it comes to the musculoskeletal system, such as joints. We're going to be dealing with uh, using this additional weapon in our arsenal to help achieve extraordinary results. Chris said, in what way can we promote cell cell stem cell proliferation? Uh, Chris, do me a favor and ask that question when we get into IADFW. That's something that I don't want to say out here, but there are things that you can do that uh, you have access to that the general public doesn't, but you do. 
to the IADFW, and I'll talk about that. So please ask that question when we get to the IADFW component. Hello, Richard. How are you? Uh, Kim said, umbilical cards are sources of stem cells, correct? Umbilical cards. Cords. Umbilical cords. That must be what, what you meant. Yes, umbilical cords are sources of stem cells. Or stem cells can be harvested from umbilical cords. Right. That's exactly right. So the umbilical or the umbilical cord stem cells are what we're talking about. Not the embryonic that come from the fetal tissue, but from the, the uh, uh, part that comes from the, from the umbilical cord. And then there's a certain segment of the umbilical cord which seems to have the most significant response, and that's the uh, Wharton's jelly component. So we'll talk a little bit about that during the webinar as well. All right, Trevor says, uh, hello, Dr. Tar. We saw you speak at the Truth About Cancer a while back. It was great. Thank you, Trevor. Uh, Kimberly says, I'm considering stem cell therapy injections in my shoulders, which bear the brunt of damage from my rheumatoid arthritis, but I understand it wears off after a few years, and I can't spend 10000 for a treatment that won't last. Uh, Kimberly, I totally agree with you. Um, so you're a member of the IEDFW, so when, you get, uh, when we get on this, that section, we'll talk about this. Um, the the cost of stem cells can be quite expensive, uh, but um, there, there are options and we have worked those out, so it's not nearly that expensive, okay? Um, and on the IEDFW, I'll talk about basically what, what the treatments are and, and what we'll be doing, but it's, it's markedly less than the 10,000 if you're talking about localized injection into certain joints. Um, depending on the combination that we use because there's different types of stem cells and so there's two specific types that you use for joints but it would be considerably less than the 10,000 it would easily be half that um, at least in our clinic um, but stem cells are expensive and then you know to make sure that they're administered right and we're not just going to be administering them we're going to be doing the pre-procedural process that, that takes a little bit of effort and, you know, you're going to have a couple of IVs, you're going to do certain things, and for most people, depending on what the issue is, it's going to be basically about a month for you to do certain things the way that we want you to do it so that you can prepare your body to have the best result. If you're not willing to do that, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to provide the stem cells because it's not about, um, it's about getting the results. It's not about, okay, just giving the, you know, it's like smokers, right? I could easily have see smokers and we could do whatever, but I don't treat smokers. Why? Because I'm after results. If somebody's smoking, I know I'm not going to get the results, so I'd just rather send them somewhere else and let somebody else deal with it because I'm not going to deal with it. So the same thing here. And if somebody just wants to get stem cells, well, you can go anywhere you want to go. That's fine. Um, but if somebody really wants to get the results, then they have to follow the way we're going to be doing it. And it's going to be different. I know it's different because nobody's doing it the way we're doing it. And the reason that I haven't started doing stem cells was before was because, very simply, I didn't have a reliable source of getting quality uh, mesenchymal stem cells that could be intravenously infused as well as that I was confident that third-party analysis had showed that they were um, high viability when they're thought out and when we go to administer them. So that's one of the reasons, you know, we've done PRP, uh, different other types of treatments like that, but for uh, the use of stem cells, the, the cost, it is costly because of the cost of the stem cells themselves, but uh, it shouldn't be that cost, at least not in our clinic, won't be that costly. For shoulders, you're probably going to be looking at around half that. Now, of course, if you have to end up repeating it, but here's the key. If you do it the right way, 
Okay? If you do it the right way, if you prepare the field, you shouldn't have to repeat it. That's the whole thing. Because look, you were born, you know, you're however old you are, you haven't had, you, your own stem cells have been doing the job, right? And now we're getting some pluripotent, um, young, healthy, viable stem cells coming in from, from uh, a much more recent source, a, a new source. Um, so theoretically, you get, if a person's 50 years old and they get these new stem cells, um, theoretically, you don't need to have to do that treatment again, at least for another, another 50 years. Um, if it's a wrist step thing or, or a ankle thing or a knee thing or you know some type of joint issue that's been damaged, uh, injured, um, once it's fixed, it's fixed. You don't have to worry about that. Now, of course, if you go back and you start doing the same things that created the problem in the first place and re-injure it, well, then that's a different issue, right? So we're talking about uh, from a chronic over-usage type thing or improper usage type thing, um, as long as we don't recreate the same injury, the same type of a chronicity, then we're not going to have to deal with that. We're not, you shouldn't have to get the uh, stem cells again. In fact, um, our policy is going to be very simply that if in one year, if you do everything, and we'll be documenting how you're doing it, meaning your head maps are done, when they're supposed to be done, um, you know, you're, you're on the right um, post-procedural support supplements. Um, if one year later we find that the results haven't um, been satisfactory, um, we will actually do the treatment for half the price, uh, repeat it. And that's just because I believe that the results are going to be that superior. Now, of course, I'm going based upon what I already know and, and how we do things already, and I've seen how our treatments and our response rates in our patients are markedly different compared to other doctors only because of the, the way we do things, right? Um, so I'll give you an example of the way we do things. Um, DMPS, okay, dimercaptor propanosulfonate, used for mercury, all these doctors. Talk. Well, actually, you know what? I'm not going to talk about that because I go into some details. I'll talk about that in the IVDFW. I think I've already have talked about that. But bottom line, the, the summary of it is a lot of doctors had all these side effects that they experienced with the patients. And at a medical conference, I was shocked to hear all this, and I was on a hot panel discussion. And basically, I asked the audience if there was any anybody that would contest that I had more experience using that particular form of treatment than everybody else that was on the stage. And nobody in the audience disagreed. I then looked at the, at the doctors that were on the panel with me, and I asked them if anybody with them would argue or contest that I had more experience doing those treatments and had done more of those treatments than all of them put together times 10. And nobody contested that. And then I told them that I had never seen one single side effect that they had all this mentioned, ever. Never had seen any of that. So it came down to because of the way we did things, right? They were doing it, um, they were doing twice the normal dose that, that I was using. They were doing it every week. I was doing it every, every other week. They were doing it intramuscular, or if they were doing it in, intravenously, they were taking it straight in, whereas we were preparing it, taking the oxygen out, it's highly reactive, and then infusing it over 20 minutes. We never had any of the side effects. Meaning that it's not the tool that you blame if you're not getting the results, if you have side effects, it's the person that's wielding the tool. It's their fault, right? Because if they're not using it, if, if I have a gun in my hand and I just go around flying around and not have no control of it, I'm going to end up shooting something that wasn't supposed to get shot. Or if I'm driving a car and I'm, uh, you know, I'm inebriated, I don't drink alcohol, but let's say that that was the case. Now that car that's a, that's a mode of transportation becomes a lethal weapon. You can kill people with it. So it's not the car's fault or the gun's fault. It's the idiot that's driving the car or that's wielding the gun, okay? So remember that the tool can't be blamed. It's how it's being used. So um, hopefully that answered uh, 
that answered the question. Uh, I might have gone off on the diatribe there a little bit on a tangent, so I apologize for that. But you guys are used to that. All right. Uh, Anissa says, what are the best types of stem cells and what routes of administration is best and safest? Um, so we'll talk more about that in detail in the webinar, but the best types of stem cells, it all depends, you know, what, what the uh, hope is that you're trying to, what, what the reason that you've taken the stem cells, what, what the condition that you have that you're dealing with. So from a cardiac standpoint, um, from a circulatory standpoint, from a, a musculoskeletal standpoint, from a smooth muscle standpoint, the best form is basically the mesenchymal, and mesenchymals are the most, um, they're, the, they're in the three different layers of development uh, in the embryo. The mesoderm is where the musculoskeletal system and the striated muscle, the smooth muscle comes from, and so that's the reason that we want to use those. Uh, Anissa says also for autism. So Anissa, this is a very, very important thing, and I'm asked this all the time, and I've had a lot of people have gone to get uh, stem cells for autism. Uh, so here's the bottom line. All right, if you have a fire in your house and it's burning down your house, are you going to go out there and get new carpet and new windows and, and new doors? No, of course not. You're going to first put the fire out, and that's the problem. Autism is a fire going on. So they, before you start to repair the house, you need to first put the fire out, and that's the whole process. So one of our processes for us is that when a person comes in, if they want to do stem cells, we have to first put, make sure that they have no fires. And uh, if they are, address them, put them out, and then we'll talk about stem cells. Otherwise, we won't do it. I just, uh, the first person that I've talked to about uh, doing stem cells actually is one of our very well-known people, very well, you know, he's, I don't normally say who our all patients are, but he's been on Fox and ESPN and CNBC every time they ask him about his health condition. He's now, I think, 89. Um, so he said that publicly, I won't mention his name right now, but, um, you know, he's going to be one of the first patients that we're going to be doing this with him and uh, treating him both for uh, heart disease and for uh, cancer over the last 17 years, uh, last 16 years. So anyway, um, and as I said, I'm going to be doing it, and pretty much anybody that's an existing patient, their body's already prepped and ready. Their, their fields have been prepared, so anybody who's an existing patient, most of them, depending on what they've done, they're already candidates. For the rest of the people, if they have an interest, then we would have to make sure that we plow the field, prepare your field, and then you'd be a candidate if you decided to pursue that. Kara said, my father had stem cell surgery on his knees. He said it worked great. That's excellent. And for joints, for... Um, knees and ankles and hips and wrists and elbows and shoulders, it works really well. Richard said, embryonic stem cells should probably manifest the code they carry before being selected, just a thought. Yeah, there's other problems though with embryonic stem cells, and most of it is because of, um, and I don't know how, I don't know how accurate this is, they're talking about from a perspective of propagating pathology, which I don't, again, we know that it's not per se in the genes, but um, there are some issues with uh, how they start to differentiate. And um, so the literature has been quite clear that it's, there have been some issues, some concerns, but then on top of that, I think just as big, if not bigger, is the ethical concern. And so there's that dilemma, where is the uh, embryonic tissue coming from? And so that's one of the issues, one of the you know prevailing political and ethical issues that comes up with the embryonic stem cells. But now one of the, the largest companies that was dealing with embryonic stem cell research has now dropped it, and pretty much they're finding that the umbilical stem cells at the, there's a certain way of harvesting it and then a certain portion of those stem cells, and if you can isolate those stem cells, then um, people end up seeing to get very good results. 
Josh Delaney. Hey, Dr. Guitar. Remember me? How do I get in contact with you personally? Your fan page kicked me to a website. Josh Delaney. I do remember that name, Josh Delaney. I think that was about 10 years ago. Uh, Josh, just send just uh, uh, send me a message here on Facebook, and uh, one of my staff members will pass it on to me and just get a number, and uh, and I'll try to give you a call in the next couple of days. Yeah. Good to see you. Uh, Danny said, too cool, I'm in. By the way, uh, for all the, um, for all of you that are waiting for the ARSPs, okay, for the, the Map to Get Ahead coaching program that you guys were all involved in, great news, everything went out on Friday, so you guys should have, if you haven't already gotten something via email or something, you should be getting something from your coaches in the next day or two. Um, but instructions were sent out and all the stuff is on its way. I think the only person that may, that whose stuff had not gotten sent out is uh, some of our people that are uh, in the land down under because Australia was a, a shipping issue, but those should be all worked out. Okay, Marilyn says, does it help with pulmonary fibrosis? Uh, so Marilyn, this goes back to what Louise had asked, and there there is support in the literature that people with lung issues, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and um, other types of chronic lung conditions like emphysema and such that they've had an improvement. So it's hard for me to say um, whether or not it would for specific pulmonary fibrosis. But for example, um, I would not do it unless we had already addressed the heavy metal issue. So pulmonary fibrosis and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease has a very high association with cadmium levels in the lung. So if once we've removed the cadmium out of the body and done some of the procedures like we have with Louise's husband, and had the improvement in breathing because I can get anybody's breathing better within, oh, I don't know. Luis, tell me how long it takes, uh, George, when we when we do the treatment. But I would say if I'm being conservative and not trying to be like, you know, really arrogant, I'd say probably 45 seconds I can improve somebody's breathing as measured by respiratory reserve and pulse oxygenation and pulse oximetry. Uh, and, of course, looking at their face and smiling and sometimes they'll start crying because they can breathe. Uh, but it's pretty, pretty dramatic. It's within 45 seconds, uh, definitely not more than a minute. Um, and I think Louise can confirm how fast she's uh, seen it working her husband, um, sometimes within, you know, 20, 30 seconds. So, uh, yes, I believe that it can and, and it will. Uh, again, depends on how well the doctor prepares a field. Uh, I'm very confident the way we'll be doing it that it will make a, make a big difference in a relatively short period of time. I would say within three months, a person should be able to see it. You know, some people see changes like within the first day or two, but... Uh, you know, I generally say wait two to three months, and, and most people will see a difference well, well before that. Can it help with cystic fibrosis? Um, Lynn, I don't know about cystic fibrosis. Again, all these conditions, remember, these are names that have been labeled based upon certain symptoms. But again, we have to first deal with those seven toxicities. If we eliminate those seven toxicities, chronic disease by definition can't exist. So anybody who comes in with any kind of condition, I'm going to do it the same way as I've always done it. But now, once I've gotten to that point, now I would have another tool in my belt to start using to help to regenerate the tissue back to its normal state, and that would be uh, these mesenchymal stem cells. But I wouldn't start to just give people that because then, again, I haven't dealt with the issue. You know, why did this, why did X happen? You know, let's take stem cells because it's going to help to fix X. Well, why did X happen in the first place? And it wasn't because you didn't have enough stem cells, it was because something else happened. So before I start putting in stem cells to help repair that, because if I don't if I don't address it, it's like the fire in the house is still burning and I'm gonna start putting in new doors and new windows, well, it doesn't matter, it's gonna get burned. 
So first we have to address it. So that if it's cystic fibrosis, you know, we would have to make sure that we've got all the issues dealt with. You know, the gut has been optimized as best as we can. Um, we, we have the, the nutrient levels um, peaked out. We have the toxicities removed. And then most people are going to see a difference with that anyway. But then once that's all done, then we have now prepared the field, and now we can go ahead and bring in the stem cells. So that's the whole purpose we have. Maybe this is actually like doing a doing a webinar right now because I'm answering a lot of those questions, but that, that was a good question. Um, Christine said, would stem cells work with ALS patients? Yes, Christine, with neurological conditions, it, it's been remarkable success, yes. And that's actually one of the biggest reasons that I wanted to start doing it because our, our conventional treatment once with detoxification, all the things that we do, it helps a person, but it hasn't stopped uh, ALS. It's, it's maybe slowed it down, and I believe now with the, with the Having the stem cells in our arsenal, I think that we'll be able to see some market difference there. And I'm going to come to the people here on the Instagram in just a second, guys. I'm, I apologize. Uh, let's see here. You're welcome, Maria. Uh, Nisa said, my son had stem cells done in India for autism. I saw a difference in the first two months there after the positive results stopped. Exactly. The reason they stopped is because the, hot, the, the burning had never been put out. After stem cells, I realized he has metal toxicity, so neurogenesis couldn't occur in the toxic environment. Now we're going to consult a few doctors for metal toxicity. And he said, that's exactly right. And that's one reason I always tell people, if you do stem cells, you know, you're wasting your money if you haven't cleaned up the house first, if you haven't prepared the field first. Uh, Kimberly said, I love all this cutting-edge stuff. Looking forward to both buds growing new teeth. <laughs> okay. Steph Mira said, my daughter has CBV, and I've done hyperbaric and IVC, which is keeping it at bay. I called a few places. I was willing to do stem cells, but the places I called is embryonic, which is 100% against my religious beliefs. Um, I want to bring my children to you. I'm a son's blood, and we are able to use that. Um, yeah, so I think those are messages that you're sending to somebody else that you need. So, yeah, I'll just let you guys continue that. So my grandkids had to had no blood left in theirs after the cord stopped pulsing. Yeah, the, the, the harvesting of cord blood, too, it's a little bit different because then those, those cells have to be prepared. And uh, cord blood is, is cord blood during a birth process is stored, but they don't do any differentiating with those with those cells. You have to take them through a filtration process and separate the different um, types of cells. So it's a little bit more involved in that, but yes, once the cells are prepared, those could be used, yes. Uh, Liklija says, we did TDD MPS for two months for every other day for my daughter. We didn't see any positive changes and went ahead again for EDTA suppository for every three days. We didn't notice any gains so far. Can we benefit if we continue the chelation protocol? Uh, my daughter has very high viral titers, CMV, HPV, herpes, ulcerative cell, MMR titers quite high. She developed autoimmune to this. What protocol would be best suitable for my daughter, considering she has chronic viral infections? Will the stem cell be applicable for my daughter? Yeah, listen to what you're saying, okay? It's a very, very, very simple thing. And it frustrates me for somebody who thinks that after two months of treatment for heavy metals that you're going to get a result. I mean, I don't know how else to put it, but you're just not being realistic, okay? You've got heavy metal toxicity. This is something that, it's a serious, serious oxidative stressor. And you're talking about Epstein-Barr virus and all this stuff. So you really need to go to advanced medicine, register there. Some of the people can help you get the information and then learn how the system works, okay? This is basically what you're saying shows 
you have absolutely, you know, um, a, a misunderstanding of how the body works. The the Epstein-Barr and the Zoster and all those viruses, of course she's going to have high levels because she's immunocompromised. Why is she immunocompromised? Why, why are the children not immunocompromised? Because she has heavy metal toxicity, persistent organic gluten toxicity. You can do anything you want with the viruses. You can put on every antiviral drug. You can do a stem cell. You can do this, that, the other, whatever you want. It's not going to work. You're wasting your money, wasting your time, you're wasting your effort. And if you think that two months of getting somebody, chelating somebody is going to work, it, two months is, I've got people that have done it for three years before they start seeing results, okay? So again, uh, I, will t I will make this general statement. I have seen something very, very unusual happen. People that no matter what, they say that no matter what happens, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, and they, they dig their heels in and they go forward with that certainty, they see the results. But for the people that see the new little butterfly, you know, butterfly, squirrel, whatever, they go chasing, it doesn't work that way. Understand it first, understand what's going on first, and then allow your own intellect to, to dictate and, and allow it to guide you so you understand what the answer is, okay? The first foremost thing before you, just think of a house, house that's burning, what's the first thing that you do? Are you gonna worry about the, the rat problem or the mouse problem or the, or the spider problem, okay? That's what you're talking about, the viruses and, and, and the disaster and all that stuff. Or are you gonna worry about bringing new doors and new carpet? No, you're gonna first put out the freaking fire because if you don't deal with the fire, the, the house is gonna be burned down and you're not gonna have to worry about doors, carpet, mice, or anything else because the house is burned. So first deal with the burning issue. First put out the fire before you start dealing with the, all these other things, okay? And what, this is what's funny. Once you start dealing with the burn and you stop the burning, you're going to find out that you don't have the mouse problem anymore. And, and you don't, the, the system is self-regulating, and it's, the doors and stuff are going to start regenerating anyway most of the time. And then in those cases that you don't have that, then you can start doing the stem cells. And by the way, just so we're clear, the stem cells I'm talking about is not for kids for autism, okay? We have, we have treated over 3,700 children in my clinic, and we've, our protocol has been used by over 40,000 children worldwide through 1,800 doctors over the last 20-some years. But the stem cells I'm talking about, I'm not talking about using it kids with autism, all right? They're already, they're still in, their, their bodies are still young and healthy, and they're creating their own, they're, they're doing all the things that they need already on their own, okay? This is for, as we start to get a little bit uh, mature, to give our system a, a fountain of youth uh, bolus, if you will. But the children, they don't need it, that, they don't need the stem cells, they need clarity, they need clarification or detoxification, they need their systems cleaned up is what they need, all right? I didn't want to go on a diatribe, but when I see something like that, it frustrates me because it's like you, you've completely missed the boat. So please do your homework and just look at the basics. If you start looking at the basics, you'll start to understand. Too many times parents are in such a flight, fight, sympathetic, mimetic, overdrive, you know, um, mode, they don't even, they're not even thinking anymore. They're just reacting, well, I got this and I got that and it's this test and that. Guys, just take a pause for a second and understand the body is very smart. So use physiology as your guiding principle. And we've got tons and tons of videos. Go to autismdefined.net and watch those 12 videos there. You want to see results? You can go see results there. And none of those results, not one single one of those results or the other 3,000 children that we've treated in our clinic, not one single one of them has ever had stem cells in our clinic. Never. Okay, so enough said on stem cells there. Uh, Kim, I'm not sure what uh, you're referring to, uh, Marilyn. Awesome, thank you. You're welcome, Marilyn. Kim said, how can I access a session after this one? I am a member but haven't logged in for a while. So, Kim, basically, just just uh, 
talk to one of the other uh, people on here. But if you're if you're in Facebook uh, and you've already been in the Facebook Live, we can talk there when we get in the Facebook Live component and help you get it. But basically, just type in your email. If you don't remember your password, type in your pass. Uh, just ask them to resend your password, and you'll be able to log in. Azara said, Dr. Patel, when you say with kids on the spectrum, we need to take the toxins out before cleaning the gut and all, but how did the body handle the chelation if they're so weak to begin with? Azara, this is a, a misnomer. Believe it or not, uh, you will never be able to get them straight, the gut straight or anything else straight, because that's the reason that they're, they're not straight. This is, again, go back and watch those videos on autismdefined.net, and then we can talk about this. I've, I've answered this question ad nauseum, probably. If I've answered it once, I've answered it literally a thousand times and at least 50 times in front of an audience of 500 or more people over the last 20 years. So it's a good question, but it's a question that it, it just doesn't work that way. It's the metals that are preventing the problem, the gut from working, the liver from working, the kidneys from working. And so to say, well, I'm going to first get the gut straight, this straight, that straight, you're never going to get a straight till, and then I'll take out the metals. That just means the doctor doesn't know what the hell he's doing and doesn't understand how the pathology works. You've got to first get the metals out. And you got to do it gently if you need to do it gently. But until you get the metals out, you are going to be running around like a dog chasing his tail trying to deal with these other things. And you know, there's a reason that um, children under the age of seven, we get children five, six, you know, four, four five, six, three, four, five, six. Um, I don't think I've ever had a child that was under the age of six that didn't see a response within the first six months. I mean, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever seen that. We've had kids that have completed the treatment within three or four months even, but that's a rarity. You know, usually it's at least six months to a year, but many make up two months. Whoever said two months, you know, I, I don't even know. I didn't recognize the name, but if, if you got the TDD MPS and you were coming to our clinic and, and if I had been the provider, I don't see that many autistic kids now because it's, you know, it's, I'm usually dealing with more, more of the complicated cases, but uh, every now and then a parent will insist on seeing me and so then I'll see them. But if somebody's saying they're going to do something for two months, I'm not even going to let them start because it's a waste of their time. It's a waste of their money. It's a waste of their effort. Most importantly, it's a waste of my time because it's not going to work. Um, okay, so I'm going to pause here because there's another 30 comments still on Facebook, and I'm getting a lot of questions asking on Instagram. So just to be, just to spread the wealth, I'm going to go to Instagram here for a second and make sure because they're going to run out sooner. Hey, Tiffany, how are you? Okay, so here's a question. Has stem have stem cells ever been successful? I read a lot of posts from people with chronic diseases such as scleroderma who had reversal from their stem cell surgery and the disease just comes back even worse. So that's a beautiful, beautiful comment and that's exactly the point because the field was never prepared. They never put the fire out. So now they got these stem cells, they go in there, they do the magic, and everybody's, oh, my God, that's wonderful. And then within three months, six months, nine months, they got the same problem again. What happened? Well, you never got rid of the fire, so the fire just came back and burned those things too. See, this is the, this is, this is the point right here. Thank you so much for, making, for asking that question. So, yes, they do work, but, again, it's the person that's doing it that didn't do it right, right? They didn't put the fire out. They didn't prepare the field. Are you teaching other doctors? Yes, we used to have a program that was teaching other doctors. Now, basically, we are um, all the protocols that I have. They're all copyrighted, and basically, um, we are about to start opening up the um, ability for doctors to, you know, basically to open up other centers for advanced medicine that they use our protocols. But th that's if you're a physician and you're interested in that, 
then uh, send a message through go on your dashboard on advanced medicine on the support ticket, which is a little green um, floating button on the lower left-hand corner of your dashboard. Just click on that and send the support ticket saying that you're a physician and that you're interested in that part, and then they'll get that to uh, myself or one of my colleagues, and, and we'll discuss it at our next meeting. But uh, we are not right now um, teaching anymore. I'm not teaching anymore and haven't for probably the last eight or nine years, at least not the medical course that we're teaching for doctors. Please say yes. There's a lack of knowledge in the white coat community in Tarea. YMD still using aborted fetal stem cells in Mexico since they seem to cause cancer. Yeah, it's not that they seem to cause cancer, but there are some other issues. Um, you know, any, any type of stem cell has a potential of causing cancer if the cancer hasn't been dealt with the right way. So, yes, that's any stem cell can do that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The place that you, uh, you said, the place I called got them from Eastern European girls. Yeah, that's that's the problem. The ethical issues, the yeah, that, there's a huge issue with that. You're absolutely right. And that's one, one of the reasons I think embryonics aren't being used, but there are also some health issues why they're not being used. Uh, I spoke with a senator who said that they could help my daughter, but they used the board of fetal cells. Yeah, and we don't do that. Chronic epstein bar virus attacks joints. 14-year-old was in wheelchair for half a year last year. Yeah. Yeah, again, that's the same issue. This Stem cells is not your answer, okay? not, not at this point. I've been hyper, hyperbaric and IVC, which helps her a lot. Okay, so here's a problem with hyperbaric, okay? The mechanism of injury for your daughter and for anybody that has autism is oxidative stress, okay? The heavy metals cause free radical damage. Again, watch the facts and toxicity videos on advanced medicine. Just look in the education tab. There's nine videos there. Watch them, understand them, and you'll, you'll get this. But basically, the mechanism of all toxicities, no matter what kind it is, is oxidative stress, okay? What is oxidative stress? Cut an apple, turns brown in five minutes, that's oxidative stress. It's the rusting process. It's dependent on oxygen, okay? It's an oxidative process, also called the reduction reaction in, in chemistry. Now, the problem is that you're breathing in 20 to 21% ambient air oxygen right now. In, in ambient air, 21% oxygen, okay? So you've got this mechanism of injury, oxidative stress that's dependent on oxygen, and you've got heavy metals in the body, and now you're breathing in oxygen, so you're, you're getting exposure. Now, suddenly, in your particular case, you've put your daughter in a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. That's 100% oxygen. It's not 21% anymore. So 21 divided into 100 is basically five-fold or 500% increase in oxygen in that environment. And now you've just accelerated that oxidative damage from the heavy metals on her by 500%. You've just increased the damage five-fold in your child by doing hyperbaric oxygen therapy without first addressing the heavy metal issue. I have two hyperbaric chambers in my office. The company that I bought them from after the first year said, why do you keep on turning people away? You'd already paid off your machines. You got all these people coming to you and you keep on turning them away. I'm like, I'm not turning them away from treatment. I'm telling them that if hyperbarics isn't the answer, I'm not going to sit there just to do a procedure, damage your child by fivefold. And hyperbarics, people feel great. They see these great responses. But within a month, two months, not only do they go back to where they were, they go further deeper and down lower. So you should never do hyperbaric oxygen when you've got heavy metals on board because you're just going to exacerbate the injury, the mechanism of injury by five-fold. Okay, again, very, very simple stuff, but, you know, I, I don't know whether doctors just ignore it or they just don't understand it, but, you know, if, if hyperbarics is helpful and, and it's increasing the oxygen, but yet, you know, the oxidative injury aspect from the heavy metals is dependent on the oxygen. Now you increase the oxygen. Well, it's like pouring gasoline. It's like pouring gasoline five times on that fire. Okay, it, it, it's insane. You, you can't do that. You're just going to cause more damage.
Um, what effects on scleroderma? Very, very positive. Um, why do you, some places use umbilical and some embryonic, and why are places still using embryonic? I, I can't answer that question, but umbilical is what we are going to be using, and, and of course the source of them too, how they're harvested and how they're stored, and even the other companies that are using umbilical, there's, there's problems and issues with that. Um, if they're not stored right, with contamination, and all sorts of other things, viability, post uh, post-thawing, so there's a lot of other things like that. Uh, says, Doctor, you're amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Does it help with neuropathy? You know, again, neuropathy is one of those things that if you can effectively detoxify the system, you will see an improvement with neuropathy anyway because neuropathy is um, usually either a circulatory compromise, you have a vascular insufficiency, or you can have a, some type of impediment. Uh, um, impedance to the conduction of the nerve. So some body work like uh, musculoskeletal work, chiropractic, uh, osteopathic manipulation can help with that. And then if those types of things don't resolve it, then you could use stem cells. But I have found most neuropathy responding to things that we haven't had to do in, in stem cells. Uh, and, and again, if I have a patient that has neuropathy and everything else you know, hasn't released it and reverted it, uh, then would Stem cells have the potential of helping? Absolutely, absolutely. If it's an injury uh, and it's something that hasn't responded to the things that we already do, most things do, then uh, see, don't think of stem cells as a panacea, okay? Um, if it's used in the correct manner, it's, it's going to be an absolutely unbelievable adjuvant to our therapy arsenal. But if you just start throwing it up there and not you know, it's, it's like saying tires. Tires are great. They make my car run smooth and this and that. But you take a tire and you swing it in the back seat and say, well, the tire's not working. You, know, you got to do it the right way. You got to put the tire on the wheel, right? You got to make sure that it's, it's positioned right and it's tightened right. If you don't, and then it's wobbling and the car's got a weird drive or whatever the case is. So my point is, th these are certain things that should be used in certain conjunction in, in, in a conjunctive manner with other therapies that are, that there's a pattern of, of, of a, a rationale. You, you've got a plan. You're not just throwing things out there. And, and too many doctors, this is my biggest frustration with the medical community, you know, people say this doesn't work, that doesn't work. It works, just do it the right way. You're not doing it the right way, okay? And, and a lot of times also they're just using it to cover up a symptom. And, of course, then you're not addressing the etiological components. So you're not going to get any type of a conclusive response um, that's going to be lasting anyway. Very excited for our phone consultation next week. Uh, Jenny Mill 77 says, very excited for a phone consultation next week and future procedures for my son with autism and heavy metal detox. Keep up the great work. We appreciate what you're doing without even meeting you yet. Thank you. Thank you for those kind words. Uh, Jismia Haima says, what testing do you use to measure metal toxicity in a toddler? So we use four primary methods of testing. We use um, urine, fecal, hair, and red blood cell analysis. We have used also photoluminescence and toenail clipping levels, but generally speaking, when it comes to children, we use urine, fecal, hair, and red blood cell. And we do that in everybody, all children, and we do that every two months to monitor what's going on. Uh, in adults, I usually just use urine. I don't usually use the other, other vectors. It's smart to continue to store umbilical cord stem cells for a son who will undergo your protocol for heavy metal detox. Uh, you know, this is, I would never say don't 
uh, store the umbilical cord stem cells, we would not be using those if we were ever to use them. We would not use your child's because they have to go through a preparatory phase and there's a whole component to that. And again, these are very pluripotent. They, they don't have to come from the same source. They don't have to be autologous. They, uh, the, mes the mesenchymal stem cells, um, they're, they're basically uniform. You can get them. It doesn't matter whether it's yours, mine, his. They're, they're, uh, you don't have to worry about that portion when it comes to the mesenchymal components. Um, and, and we don't have the uh, facilities to actually isolate the mesenchymal from the cord blood. That's more, God forbid, you know, something happens later on. And as the science advances over the next 10, 15 years, I think science is going to advance, that, um, you know, there's some type of an injury or you need to grow a new liver, you know, or, or a new kidney. There's a potential to be able to do that from the cord blood. Now, again, this is science fiction stuff, you know, but I think that in 10, 20 years, we're going to be at that point. So it's a little bit different. So stem cells, we we're talking about we couldn't take your cord blood and then use that for stem cells because, again, it hasn't been processed. It hasn't been properly isolated, filtered, et cetera. So that we would not be able to use that, okay? Oops, I guess that's ended. Uh, so it appears that we are done with Instagram. And I had no idea we've gone this far, this long into this uh, web, this uh, live broadcast. So I'm just going to go ahead and wrap up the questions, and then we're going to end our live stream today and then go on to the IADFW for those that are IADFW members. Okay, Gina said, okay, you're replying to Kim. So I'm just going to look at the top. If it's replying to somebody else, I'm just going to skip over that, okay? Uh, Rich said, I appreciate you are not in favor of embryonic stem cells, very negative po politics associated. Yeah, and there's also ethical concerns, you know, like if you're starting to use First of all, there's a health concern just because they're not, um, there's some health issues with that. I won't go into all that. But then also if there's a profit to be made in the companies that they're harvesting, then you don't know what kind of things they may do to try to, uh, you know, get these cells. And, and, you know, that's when you start getting into organ procurement and you know, there are cases in third world countries where people have been killed just so that their organs can be harvested so they can bring them to, you know, first world countries and sell them for half a million, million dollars. So there's some really ugly stuff out there, so wanted to stay away from that. Gina said, uh, okay, you're answering to Kim, so I will let that go. Kim Holly said, thank you, Kim, you're welcome. See, Zara, my child's starting with you next week. I'm ready for a package, thanks. You're welcome, Zara. Uh, Dr. So, will you be in li an IDFW live? Go there and request to join. Yes, we will be there. Blake, is there a discount for IDFW for your patients? Seems like I remember getting the offer for $1 for a lifetime member, but never did sign up. Would like to be a part. Blake, that ship sailed many, many uh, moons ago. Um, so you can join the IDFW, but it's uh, it's always been $99 a year. Right now, if you join for one year, you can get a lifetime membership, um, and you also get the Map to Get Ahead program, which is about a $2,500 value, and that's just included now in the uh, IADFW, but that's that uh, that we did that for a year and a half, and that's gone. And what's going on now? Ninety-nine dollars, you know, for per year, but then getting a lifetime membership that'll probably end in about another nine months. And once that's done, then it'll be ninety-nine dollars every year. Uh, Amy said, "Doc, you are a remarkable person. Thank you for your knowledge and explaining things to us." Amy, you're most welcome. Thank you for uh, thank you for saying that. Kim said, "Thank you. You're welcome, Kim." 
Doctor, uh, are you using Wharton's gel? Yes, that's exactly right, Gina. Uh, you know, that's exactly what we're using. Um, the, the problem is, depending on the company, the, the Wharton's uh, jelly component, the Wharton's matrix component, not every uh, company that's harvesting that are harvesting it in a manner that's one sustainable and, and viable for the end farm process, meaning that they can harvest it and they can do third-party analysis and see what the harvest numbers are for the mesenchymal cells, what the constituents are as far as the active mesenchymal cells. But then when you freeze them and then when you thaw them out, now how many are viable, right? That's what the concern is. Uh, and he said, another prominent biomed doctor from America recommended HBOT, never spoke about metals, took my son for 100 sessions on my app. No result at age five, now eight years, it's all come down to metals. Dr. Todd, no other doctors make sense than you do. Lisa, I'm sorry to hear that that happened. Um, again, unfortunately, these people are just, they're just doing treatments, they're throwing stuff up and seeing what sticks. Um, you know, this is one reason that I want people to understand this, and I don't care where you go, as long as you, once you're powered with knowledge, you can't be a victim anymore. So, you know, talk, they understand. I mean, I'm not trying to get people to come to us. Just go, have them go to advanced medicine. We're actually going to put the RAPTD. We've got the head map already in, in advanced medicine, but we're going to put the RAPTD uh, tool for parents with children with autism so they can now assess any kind of treatment, how effective it is using the RAPTD. So um, that'll be coming on soon in the very near future. Uh, so, let's see, Aaron's replying to Clayton, so I'll skip over that, and Andrew's replying to Clayton, so I'll skip over that, and Amy said, do they use stem cell treatments for Parkinson's? Yes, Amy, actually they, they are, and uh, it, it's, it's quite promising. In fact, there have been some good case uh, studies about that, so yes, they do. So I am, this is uh, actually done, these are the last questions. So I'm going to get, we've been actually on here for almost uh, a little over an hour, I guess an hour and 10 minutes or so, an hour and seven minutes. And so I'm gonna go ahead and say good night to everyone and see you guys next uh, Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern or about 8.15 p.m. Eastern. And uh, if you're not a member of the IADW, if, if you're not, a, if you haven't registered at Advanced Medicine, go and register, it's free. Uh, some of the people on here can help you, they can give you their invitation codes. And uh, go and learn about the HeadMap tool, which is a free tool for you. There's a lot of resources there. More videos for the IEDFW. We're actually for you guys. I think we got 14 videos adding this week. Uh, and and then consider joining the IEDFW, but at least the access to the HeadMap and some of the video resources that's completely free. And uh, also know that the Map to Get Ahead program, which has a you know dollars $2,600 value, it's it's free for people that are joining the IEDFW right now. I have no idea how long we'll do that, but anyway, that's something that there are the people that make those decisions. So um, I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Thank you again for all the questions, and thank you for the energy. And I hope I wasn't too harsh with uh, some of the people that asked some questions. I wasn't trying to be harsh. It's just very frustrating when you see the same thing happening over and over again and people not understanding. So just take a, take a nice deep breath, relax, exhale, and then understand rather than just respond. Don't be reactive, okay? sit back and think about it and see if it makes sense to you. If it makes sense to you, then, then your own innate wisdom and your own innate intelligence is being appealed to, and that's a sign that it's information that's resonating and it's sound and it's true. Um, but don't be reactive, because when you're reactive, you know, you're flying around and you're going to make mistakes, and it's going to, you already, you know, mistakes were already made. That's why the child got injured. Now don't make more mistakes by being reactive. Think about it, and once you understand it, it becomes very, very clear. Go to autismdefined.net. 
and you will see the 12 videos that explains everything. If you don't get it after watching these 12 videos, watch it again. Because I'm telling you, there's no reason why you wouldn't get it after watching these videos. Um, but it, for everybody else, the stem cells that I'm talking about were not for autistic kids. These were, you know, we were, they can be used, but that's not what I, why I'm getting involved with that. It's because of the, um, rege the regenerative aspect. And that's why um, I've got a number of patients that we know it's going to help them with because their bodies have already been prepared. And now that I've got a reliable source of the mesenchymal cells that I'm um, comfortable with, uh, that's why we're finally getting on board. But again, there's certain things that if you haven't done, you should never consider doing stem cells, right? If you haven't been screened for cancer or you, you haven't had a clean bill of health, massive issue. It, it can be used with cancer actually very safely, but not in, not in the traditional way. We'll talk about that during the webinar. Um, you want to make sure you've been detoxified. That's that's a very, very important thing. And then you need to make sure the source of where these stem cells are coming from, that they're reliable, that they don't have contamination, that they're you know, viable cells, et cetera, et cetera. All right, guys, have a wonderful rest of the week. I hope your week got going off to a great start this Monday. And uh, we will see you guys next Monday uh, around 8 to 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. And for the IADFW members, I'm going to grab a drink, and I will be right back with you guys. All right, talk to you in a few minutes. Thank you for tuning in with us today. For more information and links on other valuable resources, please visit advancedmedicine.com and medicalrewind.com. Also be sure to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The How Report, and join Dr. Rasha Patar for his Facebook Live broadcast every Monday evening and for hundreds of hours of Advanced Medicine podcasts, which are broadcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and are available in the podcast section of medicalrewind.com. You can find Dr. Buttar on Facebook by searching for Dr. Rashid A. Buttar, and on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram by using Dr. Buttar. Don't forget to head over to advancedmedicine.com and register for your free account, gain access to the HeadMap assessment, and many other free resources available at advancedmedicine.com. Use Dr. Batar's invitation code 11 and join today. Thank you for your support and for being a part of making the change the world is waiting for.